Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 50 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, man? What's going on? Oh, you know, sleepy Sunday, tired, brain doesn't work too good, but I'm alright. Not too bad. What about yourself? Likewise, tired as well. I was able to watch the pay-per-view, or the PLE, depending on how and what you want to call it, last night, which was the WWE Backlash, live from Puerto Rico. And yeah, it was, it was a fun match, man. Uh, fun matches. I thought it was uh, pretty all right. We'll get into that, obviously, of course, if you're looking at the title of this episode. That is the majority of what we're talking about, but... Yeah, man. Turned in a little earlier and still tired. So I'm on the same page with you, bud. A little a bit of a, a lazy, lazy day so far. Yeah, I had every intention of waking up super early and watching the uh, watching the PLE uh, this morning when I woke up. I just ended up not going to sleep until super late. Just watched trash on Netflix. <laughs> it was just like, I should probably go to sleep. And uh, didn't do that. So yeah, whenever I woke up this morning, I was like, "Stuff to do today. I can't even. I can't even watch it." I got all my stuff out of the way. By the time I got to lunchtime, it was done. I sat and watched a three-hour pay-per-view in five hours because I still had stuff to do in between. <laughs> so I got there in the end. I enjoyed it. You know, there's just maybe I should just stay up late and watch these things. <laughs> Power to you. Over because I'm on the western side of the United States, so it starts a little earlier for me, obviously. But you being in the UK, hot diggity. If it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, then it's about 1 a.m. for you when it starts. I mean, if you're not a night owl or you're not a night person, I, I, I don't know. That's rough, dude, but it is what it is. So I don't that's know. That's why I'm looking forward to Money in the Bank, man, because at least that one will be on at 8 p.m. my time. <laughs> So I'll be good with that one. Yeah, yeah and that's not bad to me because it'll be on in the early afternoon portion of the day. So I'm not mad when we do non-North American events that start at a little bit different time. I'm not mad at it. So it's one of those I can kind of mm. just have it available earlier in the day and sort of do the thing. Uh, works for some, doesn't work for others. Hopefully, wherever you are watching and or listening, it's working for you and you enjoyed at least some of the matches that happened on WWE Backlash, which we will definitely get into. Certainly interesting hot takes, I feel like, for both of us upcoming, but hopefully we get some good takeaways, we'll have some bollocks, we'll have some things to say. It'll be good all around. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kfabecouncil and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at the fallout from WWE Backlash. So, coming up first. WWE Backlash 
pay-per-view, PLE, whatever you like to call it, live from San Juan, Puerto Rico. I have to get this out of the way because I might end up saying it a number of times during our conversation. Hot crowd all night. That was one dominating factor, and I have to say, man, it certainly added another element to this show. What do you think, dude? Oh, 100%. I feel like any crowd that's not a North American crowd, and please don't you know, think that I'm, I'm slandering you know, people of, of North America, any crowd that is at a WWE or wrestling event outside of America is hot. Like, we we saw it last year with Clash of the Castle, the first UK pay-per-view in a long time, and the crowd was one of the best features of that PLE pay-per-view. This was no different. Just outside of America, Puerto Rico only ever gets house shows, they don't get these big PLEs, much akin to the UK, and this crowd was absolutely fantastic. I will get into it later on, but yeah, hundred percent. This was this was amazing to see. I forget where I was maybe reading it or acknowledged it, but there was the this notion that maybe bigger companies like that should do more non North American shows. Not to say that the crowd, because for example, the WWE tours the United States, parts of Canada, things of such, a little bit more regularly. Not to say that they're jaded, but it's a different it's a different experience than, say, when they go to the likes of Mexico, the Caribbean, the UK, parts of Asia, you know, Australia, things of that, for that nature, that when they don't get shows that often, not to say I think starved is the wrong word, but folks get super excited, they get stoked, they definitely come out in droves to let you know that they are really Jones to see the show. I, I would actually say starved is the right word because there's a lot of desire for shows in the UK um, from America. Like, we want the WWE to come over more regularly. We want AEW to come over more regularly. If you've seen the discourse over the few last few weeks, like, AEW just recently started selling tickets for Wembley. Like, we want that stuff to happen. We want it to happen in Europe. We want it to happen at, on our doorstep so that we can, we can experience these PLEs, these live shows, just like you guys can. Because to me, I've been to the house shows. Like, I've been to those small house shows down at Belfast before. And there's not there's nothing special. You know, you get to see your favorites, you get oh like they're they're playing up to the the cam the, the not the not the camera, the cameras from the crowd. Um, you know, there's nice little weird uh segments with uh some of your favorite wrestlers that you wouldn't normally see working together against some of your other favorite wrestlers who uh, you know, do different things. One of my most favorite things to see was whenever Roman Reigns got mean mugged by a kid and started mean mugging him back in the middle of a house show. Like it was fantastic, but it wasn't a live event. There was no story progress. There was no, so it kind of felt like you were going just to see kind of meh kind of happen in the ring. And that's how live events for me 
uh, house shows have been. That's my experience. Overpriced, that you're not getting what you want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So whenever you see these big shows come to these uh, these different places that aren't Texas, that aren't California, that aren't New York, you know, you know the big the big cities and stuff, like the crowd hungers for it because I don't have tickets to go to America to watch one of these shows. I don't, you know, all this here. So whenever they come here, you go nuts if you can afford it. 100% days like people were probably on the beers from the early morning you know people probably had uh, their entire family and, and taking the day day out and just absolutely jonesed and enjoying themselves so yeah I would say starved is the right word because if that happens too often maybe we might lose that little bit of an edge in the crowd that's a fair assessment and thank you for sharing we've seen it with the likes of Puerto Rico on Friday Night Smackdown and here at Backlash, the aforementioned Clash at the Castle. International crowds get hot, so yeah, maybe it's something that the larger companies can and should look forward to doing more in the future. I know I would appreciate it. All right, so we're going to start off with the first match on the card. Bianca Belair versus EO Sky for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Big reception for both women during the announcements. We get a huge Let's Go EO chant from the crowd at the beginning, which was really cool and a little unexpected, but I thoroughly I enjoyed it, that. Man. Yeah, Loved it. We ended up getting a lot of the yay boo spots, which would become a thing throughout the event here. But they got the yay boo spots in favor of EO. So much so that Bianca acknowledges the crowd's reaction. So excellent play for the women here. And good on Bianca to at least play up to it and just improvise and just say, hey, kind of, all right, this is different, but it's weird. The reaction itself, it was more so a pro-EO crowd rather than an anti-Bianca because it just folks were going bananas for EO. But Bianca was getting cheered as well as a, as a result. I made note that the spot of Bianca has EO up with a one-armed military press, which was quite impressive. But EO gets dropped on her face, and that looked very brutal. But EO seemed to be okay, so at least everybody was all right coming out of that. And the other piece of the sit-out powerbomb from Bianca to EO off of Brett's rope for a two count. And once again, the crowd goes insane. But we see the finish of the match. Damage control comes down to the ringside. Bianca distracted by Bailey. Kodakai gets in a cheap shot. EO goes up to the top rope. Nobody home for the moonsault. Bianca gets her up for the KOD and the pinfall to retain the Raw Women's Championship. So, for starters, Joker, thoughts and impressions on the match? This crowd was fantastic. I feel like I'm going to say that every single match. But, outside of America, this was the best crowd ever for these two individuals. Because, as you know, I'm a little bit bored of Bianca Belair. Her story, her story just, it's getting steel for me 
Like she's just beaten everybody. She's John Cena. I call her the new John Cena because she's just she's just doing everything by the book and boring and I'm I'm just done with it. EO is this fresh, new, exciting sort of possibility that we can see. And I say that in terms of her tenure on the main roster. I uh, we've seen stuff that she's done in the past. So whenever I heard Io getting cheered and Bianca getting booed, I was like, yes! Listen to these people! Listen to them! React to this! And it was just like, there was no audible call. Io didn't win, and I was sad. So, you know, I, I knew I was mid-afternoon. I was, I was kind of hyped after my lunch watching this match going, yes, come on, Io! And then she got dropped in her face, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, for me personally, I thought it was just it was a fine match. Um, there was definitely always going to be the superpower spots. I liked the one arm press. I thought it was good. Um, definitely showcase what makes what makes Bianca amazing. She did uh, a lot of nice uh, a lot of nice strength based stuff because she's just she's just an absolute beast when it comes to being in that ring. Io got to showcase a little bit what she does. Um, I didn't like the fact that they maybe spent a little bit too much time with Io trying to compete with Bianca at start. Um, and in the midsection of the match, she was trying to compete with Bianca as opposed to um, being herself. And then we had uh, Damage Control coming out, which I, I love, by the way, Bailey's done it a couple of times. She had Io uh, kind of shaved into the back of her head and highlighted in yellow, and I freaking love that. I thought it was so cool. I loved the sort of attention to detail that I saw as well. Somebody pointed out that Dakota Kai was maybe sort of um, trying to beg off um, Bailey. So I was like, oh, I never noticed that. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't catch that. It like, looked like she was trying to beg her off to, to stop her from getting involved. Um, so if we are teasing Possible breakup, possible one v one Bailey versus EO match. I won't be mad at that because that just gives me more EO. Plus, it'll keep Bianca away from the screen, and then maybe we'll forget about her for a while, and then matches will start becoming fresh again. Um. So yeah, it was it was fine for what it was. The ending wasn't particularly to my liking, but that's just because I'm being selfish. Incredible match by these women they put on quite the display got the crowd so into it it reminds me of the old wcw days you start off with a really strong high intensity match to warm up the crowd and things of such and these ladies knocked it out of the park of course there's going to be a spot here or there that might be a little bit of rough but i felt they definitely got the crowd into it hit spots worked well together even perhaps having this be maybe the women's match of the year so far might be a fair statement to say. What do you think? Mm, gonna go no. Okay. If we're talking January, no. I still think the Rhea Charlotte match is better than this match. But I still think... The other women's match on this card is also better than this match. Interesting play. Personally. Personally. Strong matchup here. Definitely enjoyed it. 
the tension that continues to grow, whether that is or isn't real from the likes of damage control. I did like that notion upon a replay and observation that Dakota's reaction to when Bailey is power walking her way toward the ring was quite the notion. And the little bit of piece of Bailey at the end there, holding the ponytail of Bianca and that causing a distraction of sorts from EO's side. So the tension there, perhaps. Do we have a possibility of an EO face turn coming out of this matchup? I don't want that. I like heel EO. I think she's fine the way she is. I like her being a heel. I just feel like she can be a heel, but she can have that sort of, I'm a heel, but I'm a noble heel, you know? I'm not going to like you. I'm not going to get on with you, but I want to show that I'm better than you because you're just trash and I'm the best. And I want her to be like that. On a, like almost a sort of LA Knight vibe. You know, you know that kind of vibe. Um, but eh, I don't want her to be a face. I think whenever she was in NXT, she became more successful when she went hail. That I gravitated more towards her after she went hail in NXT. So I think I, I'm just kind of a, a bit biased at that, though. Well, either way. Looks like we're developing a different storyline. With the women's division has always been an opportunity now. So even for when Triple H took over as head of creative. So we'd always have a storyline for the championship. So the fact that we might have a storyline that doesn't involve the championship is very intriguing. And I'd like to see more of EO. You know, I think Bianca obviously is a strong personality. Strong champion is a reason why she still has the belt and is leading the division in that aspect but big fan of eo like the work even uh, the crowd popped for the promo in japanese with eo and asuka so i mean there's definitely something there so i would love to see more from eo coming out of this oh you speak japanese of course i speak japanese you know i speak japanese etc etc and then her just with the uh with the final exclamation in english it was oh, i'll Personal favorite, yes, definitely love to see it. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to see more. And, you know, I don't, I don't have anything to critique about this match. It's not like, oh, yeah, it was awful. It was like this, that, and the other. I am a, as equally bored with an awful lot of the men's champions as I am with Bianca. And I think Bianca gets the full brunt because she's just been the women's champion for the longest. And I'm bored. So... Yeah, I want to see EO more as well. I want to see Dakota Kai. I think she's fantastic as well. Um, I, I just think that they've been doing better. Baby steps um, from where we were to where we are now. Um, then, yeah, women's main events down the line is, uh, is inevitable and um, completely welcome. Agreed. So those were our thoughts on Bianca Belair, excuse me. Retaining over EO Sky, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube, or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what you thought of this match. All right, the next matchup here, Seth Rollins taking on Omos. Before we actually get into the match itself, Omos getting some heat, brother. Boots Seth before the bell as the crowd was singing his song, so 
It's one of those, it's a very small thing in the grand structure of the segment, but I gotta give it to Omas there. He sometimes can fall flat, depending on, because he doesn't get to show his personality, or he doesn't get to do promos and things as such, so these little things that he can do throughout a match or a segment really help develop and add character, so I thought it was a nice touch that he can have the crowd instantly boo him for just simply cutting Seth off. Yeah, definitely whenever you, you cut off the popular guy who's got people singing their song and, you know, doing all this here, you're going to generate some easy, uh, easy, easy heat that um, I think he needs. If he's, if he's to be in this role, he needed that. Yeah, I'd agree. But I got to say, Seth, man, kudos to Seth, selling his ass off, man. Seth. Ended up getting some decent offense in, including some knee strikes, a tornado DDT, which was really interesting because we don't get to see Omas get off his feet very often, so that was uh, sort of surprising, as well as a frog splash from Seth. I was thinking back when I was watching the match, this might end up being Omas's longest match because he gets a lot of squash matches for sure. Uh, maybe he was in a longer match when paired up with AJ in the tag team setting, but maybe perhaps a singles match. This might be one of his longer ones for sure. And then I'm thinking to myself, Seth does a fine job working around Omos's limited moveset, which again, kudos to Seth as well. But we see the finish of the match. Uh, Omos ends up kicking out of two stomps, but Seth climbs the ropes comes off the top with a stomp and Seth wins with Puerto Rico serenading Rollins with his song. So Joker impressions on the matchup. I honestly think the top rope stomp probably did more damage to Seth than Omos. Like imagine jumping off the top rope and having to land one leg because your other leg is having to reach and try and stomp the other guy and then you might miss slip and you know bust an ankle or something i don't know it just seemed a bit weird um the match was fine it was a far cry from the match before it um never thought it was going to be a technical masterpiece like you said seth sold sold his butt off here um but he's he's fantastic he's whenever you have a very experienced individual and it's not the first uh match by the way that i'll i'll say this like Whenever you have someone who can lead a match, it doesn't really matter how bad the other person or how limited the other person is in their experience or moveset, because they can make the other person look like a million bucks. And Seth made Omos look great here. Um, it was, but it was just a fine match. I don't, I still right. don't get it, like why it was there. Like, why was this match? Like, they, they gave us a little bit before the match. Like, let's find out why this happened. And then they, they kind of just made it up. <laughs> like, no, there's no, there's no, you know, it, it was leaked that this was going to happen. And then you made it up why it was going to happen. Come on, get it right. So I, I wasn't impressed by it. It was fine for what it was. Love Seth Rollins, next WWE heavyweight champion. Yeah, quite the interesting note. If the sort of backlash, if I can sort of sort of pun intended, 
about this matchup was the build because it was just announced randomly and I think even Seth sort of uh, reacted to the announcement like, okay, well, thanks for kind of letting me know something along those lines. But yeah, wasn't much heat going into this. They didn't even really have any kind of buildup. The, the, the go-home shows of SmackDown and really Raw for the most part were surrounding the draft and things of such. So there wasn't much time to kind of build. I believe the week prior that they had a in-ring promo segment, but that was about it in terms of the build. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was sort of lackluster, but at least if you looked at it in sort of an isolation, the match was all right. And once again, Seth just leading Omos into a, a fairly a fairly decent, okay matchup itself. It reminds me of Ring Generals. You, you hear the stories of like Bret Hart's and Stone Cold helping lead and kind of give spots and give directions and things of such that they can help elevate a talent. So with all that, I got to say, Seth did a really phenomenal job there. But we've seen Seth really never really worked with a big large man like Omos before maybe in a segment with like the big show perhaps but mm. Seth's for example like Seth worked with Brock at Mania 35 but Brock's different kind of big man he's not as obviously tall but he's got explosive speed with the way he can move as opposed to the sort of giant nature or giant move set that an Omos has but like we mentioned before Seth did a great job of selling in the matchup and carrying Omos to a decent match. Got to further reinforce the point of him with the possibility, like you said, being the first WWE World Heavyweight Champion and lead it. He can work with a lot of different guys. He can have solid matches. He can help elevate talent. We mentioned it before on the show. I think it's definitely a strong possibility. And this was. Not to say a litmus test, because Seth can has shown that he can have so, strong matches, but it reinforced the fact that he can definitely be the guy. Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. I don't think there's any question in my mind whether or not Seth could um, fit at the top of that card comfortably. Um, him being this sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek tweener I want to call him a tweener because that's kind of what he is. He's, he's heelish attributes, but he's a complete baby face. Um, and it's it's one of those things that you look at him and you go, well, you can easily be top of the card right now. Um, and I don't think anybody would have any problems with that. Like the other people who are at the top of the card. Yeah, I can see them too. But if you consider the year that Seth Rollins has had, He's been consistent and consistently there and consistently, you know, working hard. He's been putting Cody over. He's been putting Rid uh, not Riddle, uh, Austin, Austin Theory, Theory over. And, you know, he's been doing he's been doing a whole bunch of stuff in between, like just keeping himself relevant. So yeah, just make the man the champ, top for the red brand. And uh then we'll have him versus Roman and Roman will squash him and take the third belt and then Bruno Sammartino's uh Bruno Sammartino's records up for the grabs. There you have it. So we can see Seth being a strong candidate. 
I just vomited a little bit in my mouth even saying that because I don't believe it. I don't want it to happen. Don't do it. That was awful. A lot of things to think about, but Seth, no doubt about it, being a strong candidate and being a top talent for WWE right now in contention, perhaps for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Strong showing in this matchup. I can see it. But with that, those are our thoughts on the Seth, Rollins, and Omos matchup. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you thought of this match. All right, next on the docket here, United States Championship matchup, triple threat. Champion Austin Theory taking on Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed. Found it interesting. This was a match around the shorter side. I want to say this was less than 10 minutes. I wouldn't be surprised, but with the limited amount of time, I do have to say the three men seemed to work well together. Ended up hitting some kind of big power spots from Bobby, the agility from Bronson Reed, obviously. And then I thought Austin Theory brought some athleticism to it. So I thought this was going to be. Uh, one of those biggie, big, meaty men slapping meat matchups. And in part, it did end up being there. So I have here uh, of note Bronson doing the Vader bomb to Bobby Lashley on the outside was crazy. I did not see that one coming. So incredible uh, for a man of that size, much in the vein of your Vaders and your Bam Bam Bigelows. A man that large should not be able to move somewhat gracefully like Bronson Reed does. And then we have, of course, the power moves from Reed and Lashley, like I said, and a bit more the agile movement from Austin Theory. But the finish of the match comes when we see Bronson Reed miss a moonsault, but still unbelievably impressive. Lashley hits a spear on Reed, but Theory dumps Bobby to the outside, steals the pin, on Bronson Reed to retain the United States Championship. So I'll throw it over to you, Joker. Thoughts on the matchup itself? I'm perfectly fine with the ending of this match. I feel like Austin Theory is definitely... He's definitely chalking up the wins on the pay-per-view uh, scene to keep himself at the top of his game, let's say. I'm a little bit annoyed that we have Bobby in a losing effort, though not getting pinned, um, and rather having the the title stolen from him. I, I I need to see, I need to see Bobby hold this title again or hold the the universal title. Honestly, I just need that man to hold the belt because like he's just so dang good, and. This match, you just saw why he was so dang good. Like, I don't know why you would not want that man at the top of your card. And yeah, I get it. He held a belt over lockdown. I think we should reward our Drew McIntyre, our Bobby Lashleys, for for being able to sustain relevance and heat and drama and propel themselves forward through a really tough time that the entire world was going through. And since they've come out the other end, they've sort of been treated with a little bit of almost disrespect. It's not quite disrespect, but 
they haven't been given opportunities to be at the top of the card anymore. Um, they're always seemingly in losing efforts. Um, although never getting pinned, they don't win. And they're, they've been put in triple threats. Like, this is not the first triple threat for the US title that Bobby's been in. And honestly, I don't think this will be the last triple threat that Bobby will be in. And he might win the next one. You never know. Um, Bronson Reed. You know how I feel about Bronson Reed. Jonah, uh, the big uh, the big man on campus, is... Oh, he's just so fantastic. The moonsault. Like... I looked at it and went, bro, I have a hard time getting up out of my chair. And I'm like, <laughs> half your size. And he just he just flipped off flipped off the rope there. Like there was there was nothing. Kind of put me a bit to shame, beauty. I'm not gonna lie, I might have to start going to the gym. Um But then, you know, him getting him getting pinned uh, off of the Bobby Spear. Um Yeah, I was fine with it. I was fine with it because it was is it the cheeky move from Austin Theory being the opportunist who, by the way, in the middle of the match, almost got uh almost got read up onto his shoulders, like he almost got that three hundred pound man up. And then Reed just kinda went, No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And then got off the back. But that was impressive as heck. And let me just say, Theory came into this match looking ripped. Like out of the three of them, I think he looked the best. But then Bobby just always looks amazing, so it's fine. Um, but it's just one of those things that I was impressed with everybody in this match. I enjoyed it. Um, quick match, yeah, 100%. But um, definitely don't want to see Bobby around this title anymore, which is unfortunate because he's on SmackDown with Boston Theory. So, Yes, the interesting notion of Bobby Lashley, like you mentioned, he was champion during the lockdown era and he's been floating around challenging for for example the united states championship here as well as the triple threat at survivor series last year in the fall where it almost seems like all right well we want to keep him upper mid card to that sort of top tier talent but we don't want him to per se hold the belt because we want to have theory get a little bit of a push ski but the whole thing with roman not being around and things as such so we don't have him something to do like that he's kind of in a holding pattern so i did like that he did not take the pin for example so i thought that was okay we can still kind of have him look strong obviously we are still and we gushed over bronson reed agile the the moves he did the Vader bomb, the, the, the tsunami splash, the moonsault, crazy guy. Again, can't say enough things. Definitely has potential there. And Theory continues to improve and showcase and, and just play the, the chicken S heel. So honestly, even though, like we said, it was a short match, I thought it was a strong showcase and for these gentlemen here. So I thought it was, I thought for what it was, I thought it was good. Do you, where would you like to see these guys go next? Um, Austin's about to get a, a bunch new, a uh, bunch new challengers on SmackDown. He is gonna lose. Uh, he's gonna lose his title to LA Knight, and that's gonna be LA Knight's first reign with the US title. Heard it here first. Um, Bobby 
it's hard because I want Bobby at the top of the card, and I'm being very selfish here that um I want to see him I want to see him polish off Cross when Cross comes for him. Um because uh there's the whole thing with Cross going after Shinsuke. Um actually Cross Cross and Scarlet went to Raw, didn't they? They, they Shinsuke, Shinsuke went to Raw. Shinsuke went to Raw. Karrion stayed on SmackDown. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, so I want I want Karrion to go after Bobby. I want Bobby to uh, polish him off. Um, I really like Karrion Cross as well, just for the kind of role he plays. Um, Bobby against Sheamus. Um, yeah, I kind of want to see that. I kind of want to see uh, Big E come back and Big E versus Bobby, but, you know, that is down the line, pipe dream kind of mode. I need those boys. Um, and eventually work it so that he can he can uh, take on Roman. I'm not sure if the, if it's in the cards for him to beat Roman for the title, but, like, where else do you put Bobby? Like, I don't want him anywhere near this US title anymore. Um unless the next time he he is in a match with it, he wins it. I, I really think you're doing him a disservice by putting him in these US title matches. Uh I think by the fact by the virtue of uh theory taking the pin away from Bobby means we're continuing this feud. But um yeah. It's not what I want to see anymore. And like I said, uh, Austin Theory is going to lose the, the match. Bronson, yeah, he's just going to be a heel and he's just going to run through people. I don't see him really pressuring for, for, for titles and stuff right now. This was more of a get back at Bobby kind of uh, intervention. So unless unless he, he kind of gets in the way of that again, I don't really see him doing much else other than just crushing people. Agreed. Theory moving over to SmackDown has different matchups for him. I do have a sneaky suspicion we might end up continuing this Bobby Lashley Austin theory. Because we may not have like a, a match at the next pay per view or something like that. I think we'll definitely get the revisit. So Bobby continue to probably be sort of in a holding pattern until we figure out something for him to do explicitly. And Bronson over on Raw, I could see him kind of going on a run where he's just defeating guys and, and building up, uh, maybe leading somewhere down the line to an IC title match against Gunther, and just and one of those just two big boys just beating seven shades out of one another. So, yeah, I feel like let's give these guys some wins and, and lead to some kind of program. Let's do something with these guys. Definitely, yeah. All right, so those were our thoughts on the United States Championship matchup. Austin Theory retaining there over Bobby Lashley and Bronson Reed. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube and or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts were on this match. Next one here, Mommy herself, Rhea Ripley, taking on Zalina Vega for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I observed that Zelina coming out second, decked out in the Puerto Rican flag, very emotional with crowd and had her family in attendance. 
Normally, the champion would come out second. It's the old proverbial champion's prerogative, but I do like that we gave Zelina the moment and gave her flowers to start. And again, the very emotional during the opening portion and the announcements of the match. I loved it. I love this entrance. You know, you knew, like, if you watched uh, our our stream the other day of of simulating these matches, I said that I was excited to see the costume, the circumstance, the sort of how Zelina came out, and this did not disappoint. I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" She came out as the Puerto Rican flag, like legitimately a cape with the flag that when she turned around it just it looked amazing this was just so cool to see and they were they were they were chanting for her, they were cheering for her. like she was emotional in the entrance yes hugs and kisses to the family and it was so nice to see and i feel like we could have had that you know either or you know if, if she came out first if she came out second the timing thing um, but it was nice that Rhea came out first. She got her uh, "This is my brutality." You know, got the got the come out in her lovely white gear, which was a theme for all of uh, all of Judgment Day. Um, it was just it was just fantastic to see this entrance, and again, the crowd for this match made it so much better. Agreed. I love Zelina coming out in the Puerto Rican flag and the colors. Had me have vibes of the old school British Bulldog when he'd come out with the Union Jack sort of cape thing. It had the posts much like a uh, macho man from the 80s when he would come out like that. So I was getting those vibes and I definitely really liked it, but played up to that huge babyface reaction from her, uh, her hometown of Puerto Rico for sure. I gotta say early on in the matchup, I loved the chancla spot. Throwing the flip-flop at Rhea. Oh my goodness. I lost it when I saw her go over to her mom at ringside and get the chancla. So for folks of Latin descent, you folks, much like myself, know that you're aware that the chancla is the most well-versed weapon of a Latina mother or abuelita striking fear in many a young child. I mean, I have seen some shows where the chancla is used as a vicious weapon. Over here, personally, it looks a little bit soft. We usually got the wooden spoon um, or the belt. So I was just like, why is everybody scared of this this sliver? And then I would see these shows with the yeah the relative just beating seven shears. And I was like, okay. And as soon as she got out of the ring and she got handed this handed this this chancla. I was just like, are you kidding me? We're doing this. And then she threw it at her and I was just giggling away to myself. And then Michael Cole was explaining it. I was like, dude, just be quiet. We all know. Even people who aren't uh, who aren't of Latin American descent just, you know, should know about this. Um, and it, it brought a smile to my face because Zelina was like, you know, holding it, smiling, and then chucked it, <laughs> chucked it at Rhea. It was just like, what are you doing? I also appreciated that fact that the crowd popped huge for the chancla for the flip flop. I loved that because they knew exactly what it meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was beautiful to see. 
We see the finish of the match after some offense from Zelina and a nice Meteora from the Brett's Rope. We end up having Rhea hitting a Riptide, stacks Zelina up, and retains the SmackDown Women's Championship. I gotta say, Zelina and Rhea actually worked well together. We saw in a previous matchup a Seth and an Oma, sometimes a larger opponent working with a smaller uh, opponent there may not always be the smoothest, but I, again, they worked really well together. They had uh, the offense with the DDTs and things like that. Rhea gave a lot of offense to Zelina, so I like the mm -hmm. fact that it wasn't a squash match. You had a little bit of Gaga, you had some moves, you had some athleticism from both women, and it ended up, I felt like the worked well in the sense of super over babyface and, and their hometown Zelina taking on the super mega heel in Aria, even though Rhea was getting some cheers as well, but Zelina was getting more of it. But I felt, yeah, it was one of those just really great work from these ladies. A hundred percent. Again, I mentioned on the stream that it's going to be hard for people to, to boo mommy. She's going to get those cheers. Everybody loves her. But Zelina got the lion's share here. Um, it, you know, she got an absolute ton of offense in for, if you want to compare it to, you know, previous kind of squash matches that Rhea's been in, or any time that Zelina has been squashed herself, she's got loads of offense in. DDT, she got the Meteora, she got some, she got a lot of in-between stuff, and Rhea sold her butt off. That is what I was really, really impressed by, was the fact that we saw Rhea selling so much better than we saw in the first match. Because we can compare these two matches. Rhea and Bianca are of similar height and build, similar power strength, just absolute units whenever it comes to anything. And we have Zelina and we have Io, two smaller women who are literally doing the, the same kind of stuff. Top rope stuff, mid rope stuff, speedy stuff. And I felt like the Rhea and Zelina did a better representation of what should have happened. Because Zelina got that hit and run, got in, got out. Yes, she got caught on, on a number of occasions and got absolutely beaten down. And then the, the riptide at the end, 100%. Okay, cool. I just felt like it was a better setup than the Bianca and Io kind of performance. Not that the Bianca and Io performance was bad, it's just why I thought that this was the better of the two women's matches, that Rhea actually was able to sell an awful lot of uh, Zelina's offense an awful lot better. Like, it's not something that I'm used to seeing out of some of these female stars is their ability to sell this well. I, I've, I've seen Rhea's matches before. She sells really good. For some reason, this just felt like she went above and beyond. And she maybe gave a little bit extra to Zelina. And then when the time came, she just went, okay, Riptide done. And then she got out of there. You know what I mean? Um, she played up to the crowd. She played to the family. Uh, she did absolutely fantastically. Uh, and we got the outcome that we thought was going to happen. 
but there was a couple of moments in there where you were like, wait, there's no way Zelina can win this, right? Which is what you didn't really get from the EO match. Interesting observation. I think, yeah, I, I would agree with what you said. To be fair, I think there's trying to tell a different story of the Bianca Neo versus the Rhea and Zelina match, uh, matches themselves within their isolated piece. But I think both were fine, different. You have the little bit of the superhero in the Bianca, just nothing's going to phase. She's never going to lose. Doesn't matter who's who's facing them, you know, uh, she's going to win, even if it's outside interference, she's going to come away with the victory. And then you have a little bit different story with the the hometown smaller underdog facing this this big just challenge in Rhea. So I do like the fact that Rhea, like you said, we gave a lot of offense, made Zelina look really good. For the folks that aren't aware, Zelina has been a wrestler. She's She was in TNA for quite a while. She was a champion over there as well. She has experience. She's not just some valet that popped up to accompany Andrade a couple years ago in NXT, things like that. She's been in the industry for quite a while. So, But when it comes to talent, I think Rhea has the confidence to be able to say, I'm, so, I'm good, I can be a champion, I can be in this spot, I can give to my opponent and make them look good type of thing. And that's what you want, much like we were talking earlier, like Seth. You want to be able to work with different opponents and, make, and give them the shine and make your opponent look good and credible and have strong matchups. So, yeah, different matchups, but yeah, I'd agree that different story being told, but strong matchup from these women here. And then I do like the idea that Rhea got the pin and gave Zelina the ring and gave her her moment, gave her her flowers in the ring. And Zelina looked strong in defeat, even getting that ovation. So the crowd were, were invested in there. And I'd like to see more on potentially how we handle Zelina going forward from this. Let's, let's try to run with the, the momentum she's got. I think that would be a good idea. Whether or not that's going to happen, I will be cynical and say, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Um, mainly because of who we have at the top. Um, the likelihood is she will maintain her status as uh, attache to the LWO um, and be very sporadically used. Um, now, whether or not that is sporadically used against uh, people like the Viking Raiders who have Valhalla, uh, etc., etc., um, or again with the Judgment Day, maybe she'll be using more spots to Rhea and she'll get a rematch of Rhea at some point down the line. Um, I just feel like she was underutilized for such a long time, even whenever she was Queen Zelina, um, which I loved. I thought she she played that part to a T, uh, much like we had Kings of Your Woods. So it's just one of those things we will we'll see, but I'm just going to be cynical and, and be like, we're probably not going to see too much more. Um, not that you know that's what I want. It's just that unfortunately. That's probably the way it's going to be. It's definitely a possibility, but hopefully let's run with the momentum. So with that, those were our thoughts on the Rhea ripley Zelina matchup. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter and Scram. Let, know, let us know what you thought of the match.
All right. Next one here. Bad Bunny versus a Damien Priest in a San Juan street fight. I have to say, the pop when Bad Bunny came out was absolutely insane. Loved the crowd singing along to the song Jambea. I gotta say, it was crazy. I mean, insane. A whole stadium just singing the song. Absolute great visual. Goosebumps. I do not listen to Bad Bunny. I, I've said this before. I'm a fan of Bad Bunny because of his talent and the fact that he is the most streamed recording artist. You know, I could listen to his music. I just wouldn't understand the lyrics because he knows everything in Spanish. So it's one of those things. Um, but to hear an entire arena, like not just go, oh, oh it's like, no, lyrics actually singing along to the full song for the full entrance. Seth, you have got nothing on Bad Bunny, and I'm just, it's its not a slight. He was in Puerto Rico. They were singing the song. <laughs> so it's like, I've seen so many videos of all these fans just recording themselves and everybody around them just singing along to the song. And I was just like, this is so cool. He had such an amazing entrance. I was just so blown away by it. Incredible entrance, crowd reaction. We return to that notion again, but really great visual we saw there. On to the matchup itself. The early portions, I got to say, it was really simple. Uh, we ended up getting a surprised Mishinoku driver from Bunny onto Priest early, but then for the most part, it was some punches, some wrist locks. You hit a move, work the crowd, sort of that old school style of match. And then we, we, we were kicking into it after that, hitting some chairs on Priest. We had the, the cross body, which Bunny's done before, onto Priest as well. Some trash can lids, kendo stick shots. And then further on down, we go into the crowd, Priest hitting that falcon arrow onto the table near that production area. That was pretty, pretty crazy. So, uh, But we work our way back to the ring. He ends up. Uh, Bunny ends up working a priest leg, so we have a little bit of structure there. But then, the next chapter in the matchup itself, we get the run-ins. Got Judgment Day coming out, Dom Dominic and Finn trying to even the odds and get on Bad Bunny. But first we see Rey Mysterio come down, but he gets slighted by Dominic and Finn. And then we have the return of Carlito. And it's been quite a while. We had the Appearance in the Royal Rumble a couple years back, but man, another huge pop for hometown boy Carlito coming in there. And then another return, Mr. Sabio Vega. Huge pop once again, which was insane. And then, of course, the last uh, portion of that, we got the rest of the LWO, uh, Legado del Fantasma. I have note, and I made an extra special note here. When we have Savio and Finn in the aisleway, Savio coming in with some classic Quang offense. The that's the the kick, the crescent style kick, uh, and then of course the uh, the moves there. I got for those folks that aren't aware. During the new generation, before he became Savio Vega, the man himself uh, portrayed a uh, I guess ninja 
by the name of Quang, and that was one of the notable pieces he did, that sequence on Finn, and I popped huge for that. I just think that this entire match was amazing for what it was. Like, we talked about it earlier on with Seth, and uh, Damian Priest led this match expertly. He did so many things right. He built the anticipation of Bonnie hitting him with any kendo stick, and then he took the he took the weapon away and he threw it away. He didn't use the weapons. The priest wasn't using the weapons as much as he was allowing Bonnie to. And Bonnie was just he, he was trying to get the hits and he was trying to get them. And then you seen the wrist locks, you saw you saw the, the, the takeovers, you saw the Bonnie Destroyer. Like, you know, these these cool things that Bonnie can do. Yes, he is limited in what he can do. But he is still amazing at what he can do. Two weeks, two two weeks ago, he was main eventing both nights at Coachella. The start of the week, he was a headline event at the Met Gala. This weekend, the man is being put through tables by a broken arrow from his friend Damien Priest. Like the man is on the biggest bender of amazingness for like two weeks. And I bet you like next week he's back in the studio just recording another album or something. Like this was so cool to see. And it was just I was amazed by the stuff, the offense that uh, Damien Priest was getting uh, Bonnie to do. I was also surprised the Spanish announce table was not exploded. I thought for one tiny little moment that they might put somebody through the Spanish announce table. But I think it actually survived the entire pay-per-view. And this was unheard of. Why did that table survive the entire pay-per-view, guys? There was the San Juan street fight, and nobody went through the Spanish announce table? Are you kidding me? At least put them through Michael Cole and Corey's table. A little bit of revenge. This ain't the Attitude Era, brother. We don't go through the Spanish announce table every week. I mean, come on. It's just one of those little holdovers. If you're going to do something with the Spanish announce table, you got to bust it up. But whenever we, we heard the, uh, I spit in the face, people who don't want to be cool, I, I popped huge. I love Carlito. I think the, the Carlito uh, era of the US title was some of my favorite stuff. And he, he got a huge pop. I loved him coming down his LWO shirt. He got down to the ring. He just got a whole bunch of offense in on Finn and, uh, Finn and Dominic. And it was one of those that he took out the album and spit it in Dom's face. Do it. And he spit it in his face. And I was, yes, that's everything I wanted. I was so happy to see that he, he just he was spit, the, spit the apple in his face. And yeah, the, the realization later on that Finn, Finn was like, there's two of us. Savio was stood right there by himself. Let's go. He went, hang on. And then brought out the LWO. It was, it was some fun. It was some fun break time between the match that you knew was going on, and then I think it was like five minutes of this wacky races of just people doing whatever outside of the ring, and us focusing on that, and then remembering, oh wait, there's actually a match. 
And then, you know, like, like we say, like, uh, Bonnie hit the Bonnie Destroyer and got the pin. And, yeah, Damien Priest absolutely killed in this match. He led it so expertly. And, yeah, that man needs a belt right now. Uh, I think him being in the, uh, him being in the WWE Heavyweight Championship um, tournament that's coming up, uh, which was announced today. Um, yeah, he's he's going to go far in that, and I'll be I'd be happy with with being wrong and seeing him even being the uh, the, the first guy to hold the belt. This this just solidified the fact that I, I loved Damien before because I thought he's been an absolutely amazing heel, uh, and the entire Judgment Day has come on leaps and bounds ever since their sort of lull in the uh, mid part of last year. And um, it was such a good match. And it was such a shame that this match was where it was because I am so annoyed, PT. <sighs> like, I, I can't get over my aggravation. You have this man, Bad Bunny, who has the entire crowd and probably people outside who's singing along with him. And then you had this cool love-in session where they're lifting up. Like, how cool would the visual have been, you know, Bad Bunny being lifted up by the LWO as you went off the air? Like, bruh, come on. How cool the visual would that have been in Puerto Rico? Like, couple of great points right there. Of course, highly athletic from this crazy individual, Bad Bunny, this, uh, celebrity here that ending sequence uh, sliced bread then we he wailed on priest with some chairs and then the canadian destroyer i mean it was crazy good and you hit it right on the head damien priest you have to have two people in the match right you have to have and we talked about it with i just mentioned it with Rhea, and we just mentioned it with a seth earlier in the show you can have Someone who can make their opponent look great. Damien Priest, been a veteran for quite a long time, had a, had a nice role in NXT, so you can tell Papa H likes him. Being, being put in this position when he got called up to be tagging with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania, and now to be trusted to put on this match Carry Bunny to a really good, just fun segment here. We did some spots. He ended up being safe. No one was hurt by all accounts. It was just really, really put together. Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, right, Damien Priest does a phenomenal job. He's been doing incredible. He's finally being trusted to be in a position where he can be in these spots, and he hit it out of the park. And then that final piece you hear, it's almost as if you are reading my notes here, Joker. But the fact that that crazy visual, and we'll get to the we'll get to that last match a little bit later, but man, around a crazy performance by both Bunny and Damian Priest, but that visual of how this match ended and the LWO and all the folks lifting up Bunny. There's a real possibility that this probably, some folks would argue, should have been the last match on the card. And based on the performance that these men put through, 
and the visual at the end. Not a bad thing to have that little copyright in the corner and that visual of Bunny being lifted and the crowd going crazy. There's definitely credence for this should have went on last. Yeah, I will argue till I'm blue in the face that this should have been the main main event. They said double main event. We have two main events. Yeah, cool. The fact that it's the third last match on the card doesn't make it a main event, Michael Cole. Please make it make sense, my friend. This match was a San Juan street fight in San Juan, Puerto Rico, featuring two Puerto Ricans. One of them is the biggest star in the world, and the other is Damian Priest, who is an up-and-coming heel in terms of main roster work ethic, has been fantastic, has... He has lent his own brand of veteran status to Dom Dom. And, you know, that is like him, Finn, and Rhea have all brought like Dominic Mysterio along for the ride and helped him and nurtured him. And the three of these veteran individuals are working so well together that like people know how good Damian Priest is. And then you have people who are in this mix, like. Rey Mysterio, then you bring in Salvio Vega, then you bring in Carlito, and, you know, you reform the LWO. You have this cool branded, you know, red, white, and blue uh, in the, the, the color shape, the color frame of the Puerto Rican flag for the LWO t-shirt, which looks fucking amazing, by the way, and you're just okay with that sitting as the third last match on the card? Like, I love Brock Lesnar. I love Cody Rhodes. I would say, in any American show, that should have been the last match. 100% guaranteed I'll never argue it again. But for this match to go on before the six-man tag match, which, can I just point out, I forgot was on this card. I legitimately forgot that match existed. Because why would this match follow the street fight. I wasn't interested in the next match, honestly, PT, because I was still riding the high of Bad Bunny just, you know, having an absolute stonker of a show. It was great, but the placement of this match was terrible. And, yeah, should have been last match, in my opinion. Great all-around segment. Got a lot of just amazing spots and just great crowd reaction for the folks that may not have been familiar with Bad Bunny on a global scale perhaps got to see him in an element where folks are very familiar with so to put any notion aside that who is this guy for folks that just may not have been familiar you you know now and as well as a great crossover appeal, and we had that ending sequence on SmackDown with Bunny and the LWO closing out the show and Bunny and LWO t-shirt, and then this sequence here being with the crowd of the lads as well. You're going to have folks that have no idea or don't bother for wrestling, but are going to see a bad Bunny in an LWO shirt and want to buy that. So you're going to have great cross appeal or WWE fans slash wrestling fans and non-wrestling fans because of the 
nature of Bad Bunny doing this match. So it's getting folks talking. It's some great appeal. I think it was a positive win. I'm going to have to agree. This probably should have ended the pay-per-view slash PLE, but it is what it was, and I think we hit a home run with the segment as a whole. I I have to agree with that. Um, complaints notwithstanding, I still loved it. All right, I'd agree. So with that, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on Bad Bunny defeating Damian Priest. Next matchup here, the six-man tag Matt Riddle and the undisputed tag team champion Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on the bloodline of the brothers Jay, Jimmy, and Solo Sokoa. Have to say, you mentioned it just before that you even forgot this match was on the card. I My first line in my notes here, this is your standard 1970s house show tag team match. Because that's really kind of what it felt like. There was a little bit of build with Riddle coming back and trying to help save the lads and Kevin and Sammy to even the odds with uh, the nature of the bloodline. But it was one of those that I all from time thought, I was like, oh, what's kind of going on? I know we have Cody and the bro. Oh, yeah, this matchup here. So the feud of Kevin and Sammy with the bloodline and with no Roman around, and I think you've talked about it before, just it ended at WrestleMania. It feels like we're dragging this on. There's really not much else to kind of do to really kind of separate now unless we're going to have, because it feels like Kevin and Sammy have unfinished business with Roman, but they are finished with their business with Jimmy and Jay, so it's just this holding pattern for whatever, but yeah, it was... I felt like this. It didn't have a ton of heat going into this match, and it, and it, the opening portions, one hundred percent, felt like a nineteen seventies house show. Oh yeah, it was terrible. I didn't, I didn't care for it at all. Like it was, it, it was standard fare. Honestly, whenever you you sit and you watch, uh, the previous few matches, and you go, "Wow, this is super cool," and the you know the the cry is really into this. I don't know whether or not I just kind of went temporarily deaf, but I feel like I just didn't hear the crowd in this match. Whenever you compare it to how they were reacting in the previous couple of matches, for every spot and for everything that they were doing, the crowd just felt like they weren't even there for this match. And it's not because they, you know, nobody was reacting. It's just like the reactions just weren't as refined. And we had the obvious. Um, Jimmy and Jay shouting spots where you know they're constantly shouting at, at, at Sammy and all this here, and yeah, I, I said it. I said it before, and I'll, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. This ended at Mania. Like this whole story ended at Mania, but we're we're on life support right now. We are trying to justify. Uh, Roman holding two titles and being universal champion for over a thousand days and Uwu champion for 400 days because let's not forget and I'll keep making this point too 
He only became the, the unified champion at last year's WrestleMania. Not whenever he won the Universal Championship. He didn't unify the belts. So which one do you want? Which, which line are we going off here, WWE? Make it make sense to me. Because if that's the story you want to tell, stop making the, the Usos and Solo go against three other guys. Because that, that doesn't add to your story. If you want the bloodline to implode or do anything that way, then have that match. Pull the trigger on Solo attacking his brothers, which he almost did in this match. Almost. He sat there and he, he, he sold wanting to do it. Wanting to give his brother the Samoan spike. Like, cool. But I'm getting bored. In fact, I am bored. Like, I would argue that the only thing that is currently more boring to me than, than this current storyline is the fact that Roman still has two belts and we don't know what to do with it. We haven't seen him since the Raw after Mania. Like, he has gotten, what's that, two and a half months worth of a title reign for not being on TV. That's 60 plus days of just not being on TV. Cool. Good job, buddy. Oh, but he negotiated his contract. No, they just don't have anything for him right now because he's beaten everybody. And in KO's case, three times. Like, come on. It's getting ridiculous. And you can tell that it's getting ridiculous because we have this 1970s knockoff high show uh, tag match that was just painful to watch. It's a shame because I like a lot of these guys. I'm a big fan of, you know, not the hugest fan of Matt Riddle, but the other five individuals in this match, I really, really like and I enjoy their work. But And that's not to slag them, but I think it's also the the lackluster kind of dragging out of the of the storyline as well as the placement on the card because you have that huge huge reactions coming out of the bad bunny damien priest match and then you have this lull this the proverbial death spot to kind of get the crowd the go to this concession go to the bathroom go to the get, get your beer and a hot dog type of thing before the main event which is an odd placement for these guys and and it's it's a tough one but the aforementioned yeah the the story of the match was kind of the tension between the brothers Jimmy and Jay and Solo. And at one point, like you said, uh, we have Solo and Jay have some tensions. They tag one one another in, and then Sammy inadvertently hits Solo with a Haluva kick, and then hits the Exploder and Haluva kick on Jay. It almost gets that pin, but Solo breaks it up. And then during a finisher barrage, so uh, Solo hits Owens with a Samoan spike. And then grabs Jay and goozles him. Rears back for that spike. No, and he's thinking about it, but he hesitates. But at the end, we see the finish of the match. Solo gets the blind tag. Riddle hits the bro Derek on Jay. Um, but Solo comes in, hits the spike on Riddle for the win. So it, it's a shame because of the, of the placement of the match on the card what it came after the bunny and the priest match and again it's just the the continuing of the storyline it doesn't feel like it has much legs and we've transferred over to now the tension of solo and we have kind of Heyman via roman in his ear so the tension here in this matchup it's a shame that the likes of a riddle 
Sami Zayn and the Kevin Owens were pedestrians in this match. Your tag team champions were pedestrians in this match to the storyline of the brothers Uso. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, but this is the problem. We're keeping this story on life support because Roman's not here. The only problem that I have is that we did this before. And the Usos knocked it out of the park then because they were constantly defending the titles. They were constantly on both shows. They were constantly being amazing. Here, it's we're still feuding with Sami and KO, but we lost to them twice. Like, these are done. This is, we don't need this anymore. There are other tag teams. There is internal strife. You know, we don't need you to be having matches. We just need you to de develop story. How do you develop story? Backstage segment. Solo coming out and doing his matches. Solo. You know, him building himself up in spite of his brothers who are now destitute. We've already done this sort of style of thing with Baron Corbin. We built him up to the moon, only to have him fall on hard times. Like, these are things that we've done before with other characters, and yet you refuse to put these tropes onto other characters. This is a television drama, ladies and gentlemen. This is a story. Make your characters have some sort of development or don't put them on TV because it was a death spot in name and existence. I love five of six of these guys. I'm not the biggest fan of Matt Riddle either. I think he's just fine. But I love Sammy, love KO, love the Brothers Uso. But it's just... It's so stupid to me that we put them on after the Bad Bonnie match and before the Cody and Brock match. I would even argue that this match wouldn't have suffered as much if it had went on after the Brock and Cody match. I think it probably would have done better if the Brock and Cody match was before and the Bad Bonnie and Damian Priest match was last, giving me even more credence to the fact that I think the booking was just wrong. I would tend to agree. The placement was rough. Storyline was, was just questionable. I think all things considered, uh, taking nothing away from these, these guys, six great athletes, six great workers, just the story they were trying to tell in the match and the story they're kind of in, just it fell flat. And like I said, for have one whole team of three guys, including your your tag team champions, just be the afterthought of pedestrian in the story of the match is crazy. So, fell flat for me. Fell flat for you, Joker. It was uh, we could have we could have did a better job of positioning and maybe trying to maybe with the booking. But be that as it may, those were our thoughts on the six man tag matchup let us know down in the comment section below on youtube and or hit us up on twitter instagram let us know what your thoughts were were you excited for this match were you feeling it did it fall flat for you let us know all right then the final match on the card here cody rhodes versus brock lesnar 
crowd went bananas with the whoa during Cody's entrance. Gotta love it. Crowd picked back up after that previous match. Brock enters second. I do like the nature of Cody being a little bit more aggressive and going after Brock during his entrance. Starting off hot. Hitting Brock with some steel steps and the chair shot. There it was the little video or gif really at this point of Cody. I think one person said doing the bushwhacker bounce toward the steps to retrieve them. Cody, you got to love it. It's it's hard. It's it's sports. It's entertainment. Cody just taking the mick. And it's just like, what are we doing? Cody can be super serious, but he can be sort of this goofy character at times. And I don't think this was intentional, the the weird power walk to retrieve the steps. But man, Cody gave us quite the moment at the beginning of the match. It made me giggle. It honestly made me giggle. His his immediate attack on Brock was fantastic. The walk, the uh, super uh, Bushwhacker-esque uh, walk was funny. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, thought it was funny. The Again, the crowd here existed uh, singing Kingdom and stuff. You could hear some people were singing the actual song, and then they came in for the woe spot. Um, loved it. Yeah, really, really great to see the crowd once again just adding extra elements to this. But after that onslaught from Cody, the man Brock takes over with some German suplexes. And then at one point in the middle of the match, Cody's showing signs of life and Brock gets busted open hard way on an exposed turnbuckle. And you can see he, within seconds, he starts bleeding and he's gushing that impact itself looked nasty and then the immediate aftermath of you seeing oh this isn't a like yeah no he's he's bleeding he's busted open pretty crazy mm. yeah it was possibly brock wanting to add a little bit of his own legitimacy to this like he has been known to open himself up hard hard style um from time to time, like he was probably meant to take the spot and you know be, oh no, it's the exposed turnbuckle that you know whenever I suplex Cody, he ripped off the, the turnbuckle pad. Um, but yeah, Brock just went straight in and went, all right, turnbuckle, it's you or me. Who's gonna win? And I'm pretty sure the turnbuckle almost lost. Like <laughs> it wasn't that big a gash, but it was like in here somewhere. And he just started bleeding, and the turnbuckle was like, I'm thankful I don't have blood, otherwise I would be dead right now. So it's just covering his face, and you're like, oh, wow, okay. And, you know, the ref was checking him, and everything was being sorted out. I love Brock, because as I saw it on Twitter last week, when Brock wants to sell for you, he will sell for you. And he sold his butt off. Just like I was saying for Rhea earlier on, like, that is part of how you make someone legitimate is if your opponent is willing to sell for you and if your opponent is already legitimate then you are only being legitimized to continue to use that word uh because the source does not exist in my head um then you are just being promoted by proxy it's it's great we saw it with seth and omos we saw ria and zelina we saw it with bad bunny and damien you know it's just 
the continuation of things that went on here. Uh, and I'd love to see it. Yeah, really, really good. Honestly, from some hard shots from both Cody and Brock. But at the one point, the sequence, there's a diamond cutter, a disaster kick, a Cody cutter, and two crossroads. But that was only a two count on Brock. Oh my god. What are we even doing here? Uh, and then the ending sequence, Cody tries to go for a third crossroad, but Brock gets out of it, hits an F5, but Cody kicks out. And the end of the match here sees Brock get Cody in a Kimura lock. He shifts the weight and gets Brock's shoulders down for a three count. So a lot of folks were thinking about this is either going to be your less than five minute Brock squash, or we're going to see a little bit of what we ended up seeing was Brock, yeah, giving offense to Cody, and it wasn't one-sided. Both guys get some shots in, but a little bit of a questionable ending, or shall I say interesting ending. Ultimately, it wasn't sort of definitive, shall I say. There wasn't a demonstrative, I've got the pinfall from either man. It was one of those we had Brock in having the Kimura lock in, rolled the shoulders. We've seen kind of this booking with Brock before, but I don't know about you, Joker. Even though Cody came away with the win and it was just a fun sort of train wreck match, I felt like we're leaving the door open for at least one or more matches with Brock and Cody. There's a definite rematch coming. A definite rematch coming, and we're going to have it be set up possibly for uh, Crown Jewel uh, or whatever. Night of Champions. Um, Night of Champions, that's the one. Um, because Cody is in the title combat- uh, competition for this new title, right? But uh, ask me who's not in that list, PT. Who's not on that list? For the tournament for the new World Heavyweight Championship. Brock frickin' Lesnar. Not on that, he's not on that list. So I can see Brock coming in and doing a little bit of shenanigans, costing Cody his opportunity to go for this new title. We have Brock versus Cody at this Night of Champions, and we have that we have that uh, feud go on. Maybe Brock gets the win back here. Uh, and then we'll have uh, a little bit of a rubber match. Uh, where Cody possibly wins definitively, uh, puts the puts the feud to bed, and by that stage we'll have a new uh, new heavyweight champion. Um, Brock can go off and I don't know do do cowboy stuff for a while. So that's what's probably going to happen. So fun match all around, guys. Two guys just going after one another. Hard offense. Like we'll. Circle back to what we mentioned before. The show ended with Cody getting out of there and going down the entranceway. I think it was a shot of Brock in the ring, and then we fade out. Going back to what we said before, would have been a probably cooler fade out to see Bunny being held up by the lads in the LWO and all that stuff with the crowd going crazy. Probably a better visual, but they decided to go with Cody and Brock last, so it is what it is. But I'm probably in agreeance. We're going to see another matchup, if not one or more matchups between Cody and Brock until we figure out who Cody is going to be feuding with going forward. But those are our thoughts on 
Odie and Brock Lesnar. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Rate us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on this matchup. Did you like Cody's power walk, his bushwhacker bounce? Did you like the ending, or do you feel like perhaps Bad Bunny and Damian Priest should have ended the show? All right, that about wraps it up for us. Quite the fun show we had with Backlash. A lot of interesting booking decisions, but I gotta say the highlight for sure, that crowd was hot for most of the night and added a lot to this event love the crowd the crowd 100 percent made this event uh the same thing could be said whenever i watched uh clash of the castle i loved that event um and the crowd just made me so much more invested in that this i i'm safe to say that uh, i recent memory is dictating that the puerto rican fans were better uh just giving it all for this show and <laughs> I just can't get over the fact that uh, their sing-along was an awful lot better than uh, the sing-along we had at Clash of the Castle. So um, it's, ju it's just one of those things, maybe a little bit of book booking tweaking may have worked a little bit better. Um, yeah, I, I still maintain the fact that Baboni and um, Damien Priest would have been better as the main main event, especially with the ending that we got with the Cody Brock stuff. But hey ho, we are uh, we are where we are. We saw what we saw, and uh, it was it was a great PLE, great pay per view, um, and uh, I hope it doesn't take another year before we see uh, Bad Bunny again because he's been a breath of fresh air. Uh, but it'll be nice to see him come in sporadically for helping out the LWO. Um, possibly going forward to finish off their feud with Judgment Day. We love to see it. Got a certain amount of pride to see my people show up and show out for this pay-per-view and give strong representation. Absolutely, like we said, added so much to this event. And it's great, man. Like we were saying, we have that Clash at the Castle in the UK. We have this here. We're going to have All In in London. We got the, the Saudi Arabia show. I, I think when we see these shows that have these international audiences that we circle back to that opening point of, of having a little bit different crowd and folks not having it available all the time, people show up and show out. And it was just a great show that the crowd added to. And we'll see how we're going to go forward with the players involved and where we go from here on to the next challenge like you said is looking at what's going to happen with the world heavyweight championship so we will see how the players come out of backlash and go through this upcoming tournament into the next ple so with that for tf joker Thank you for an amazing show, Puerto Rico. It was so good. Agreed. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.